Gracious God, you speak and the miracle is that we may hear with the ears that you give us. We pray that you open our ears and our eyes and our hearts for the coming of your word in our midst. Speak to us and make us new. In Jesus' name, amen. Reign of Christ Sunday, also known as Christ the King Sunday, where the church, including us, raises up Christ as the king or ruler of all creation. This day is tricky for us modern people. Because the title of king and the concept are almost completely foreign to us. For example, you may know that the Bank of Canada just released a new $10 bill, one featuring the African-Canadian civil rights activist Viola Desmond. Last week on the radio, I hear, heard a few people sharing their thoughts about this new bill. One member of this radio panel, though, said, Next, the Bank of Canada should deal with its coins, all of which feature Queen Elizabeth II. It's crazy to me, they said. It's crazy that any modern country would have a queen, let alone put her on their money. We're a democracy, this is the, and this is the 21st century. It's time we left this relic of the medieval world behind. Now, leaving aside our personal opinions of the monarchy, or constitutional monarchy in general, this person's comments illustrated something important. That we do in fact live in the 21st century in North America in a democratic country. And for most of us, the idea of a monarch, a queen, or a king seems quaint at best or antiquated at worst. For many of us, the idea is backwards and a symbol of tyranny, oppression, and control of ages past from a time where single individuals were given incredible control over their subjects. For some, it's a symbol of patriarchy or the rule of the male householder, and for others, it's exactly what they don't like about religion or Christianity because, they would argue, it's a means to control and oppress people. It represents a tyrannical God who wants total control over every human being. So long story short, it can be hard for us to easily connect our lives as modern, democratic, 21st century people to this idea of Christ as king. Perhaps it was fine and good, for ancient people. For us, though, it seems either dangerous and oppressive on one hand, or completely irrelevant on the other. Having said all of the above, however, I believe that this title is still important for us. Crucial, in fact, to understanding the way of Jesus Christ. 
Not because having kings in general are a good idea, but because of what Christ as king represents. It represents a sort of flipping over or subverting our ideas of power, strength, and loyalty. Our scripture passage this morning takes place in the Praetorium in Jerusalem. The Praetorium is an incredible building, the palace of the governor. It's the headquarters for the Roman governor in Judea, which is, of course, modern Palestine. It's opulent, it's beautiful, and it's extremely well-guarded. The Romans control the known world. No one can stand against them, especially not a little backwater country like Judea. So this is the local branch of the world's largest superpower. You might say it's like being in the American embassy in the middle of Saudi Arabia, or something like that. It's a symbol of their wealth and glory, their omnipotence on the world stage, and dominance in this little tiny country. It's incredible. And it's here, amidst all these things, that little Jesus is put on trial. Pontius Pilate, the governor, summons Jesus before him. It's a powerful moment. This unarmed, nonviolent, completely vulnerable rabbi standing in chains before this well-armed, powerful, and seemingly invincible government official. Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asks. And the question is a crucial one. Because if Jesus is king or claims he's a king, he's guilty of treason. He's guilty of sedition. Treason, subversion. There's already a king in Judea, a king who's a puppet of the Romans, the occupying power. Pilate's there to protect their investment. An arrival king means trouble. Jesus' life or death hangs on the answer to the question, are you the king of the Jews? There's some back and forth between them. Jesus not really answering directly. But ultimately, Jesus' answer is a bit of a weird one. Instead of a flat-out yes or no, Jesus says this. My kingdom, he says, my kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as, as it is, my kingdom is not from here. My kingdom is not from this world Jesus says. Now we've often read this or heard this as Jesus talking about heaven, that he's the king of a place that we go to when we die, which, fair enough, is a truth at the heart of the tradition. Notice, though, notice that when he says his kingdom is not from this world, from. The old King James uses the word of. My kingdom is not of this world. When Jesus talks about this world, he's not talking about creation. 
but he's talking about the world as it is. Because in the Bible, the idea is that the world is fallen. It's broken. It's not living up to the dream or the design of the creator. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Where God always has intended peace and universal harmony, the world is a violent place. It's a greedy place, an oppressive place of cruelty where human beings hurt other human beings. That's what Jesus means when he says, this world. The world as it is. But Jesus says his kingdom isn't like any other kingdom. I'm responsible for that baby, I think. <laughs> Blame me. <laughs> Jesus says that his kingdom isn't like any other kingdom. It's directly sourced in God. Where is she? She's out there somewhere. Those who belong in the truth hear the sound of my voice. Um, that's what it says. All right, where was I? Okay, Jesus says that his kingdom isn't like any other kingdom. It's sourced directly in God, God's very self, God's very being. If his kingdom were like the world's kingdoms, they would have invaded with armies to rescue him he says. But the only military order he gives in the Gospel John is for Peter, his sidekick, to put away his sword. Where our world and how it's organized is tainted by selfishness, greed, and bloodshed, Jesus says his kingdom is rooted directly in God's universal peace, God's shalom. So there's a kingdom and there's a king, but the king and the kingdom aren't like any other king or kingdom we've ever heard of or experienced in human life. All of our baggage around the world has to do with how it's been used for oppression and control. Jesus is a king, it's true, but he flips the very meaning of the word on its head. There's that great old hymn that goes, the king of love, my shepherd is, that hymn is exactly right. Because it's about a king who rules with nothing but the word of his mouth, with the power of his sacrificial, self-giving love, a king who's invading our world with love, the love, the hope, the joy, and the peace of heaven. It's like fresh, fresh water flooding a polluted stream, it's the way the world as it's supposed to be, breaking in in Christ. And the truth is that this kingdom is what we all long for deep inside. We know that there's something wrong with the way the world is. We know that there's something wrong Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. There's a better world that we actually know is possible deep inside of us. 
And it's true. It's a longing that's true. Because the promise of the Christian faith is that our lives can be different. Our world can be different. We don't have to wait for it, though. We can experience it here and now. Jesus talked about his kingdom being not of this world. By this point, of course, Pilate still doesn't get it. So, you're a king, he says, looking at Jesus. In his world of armies and weapons and power and strategies, it just doesn't compute. He's still befuddled by this weaponless peasant standing before him that everybody says is going to take down the empire. So, you're a king. You. Jesus. Anybody standing behind you? No? You? This guy here? How tall are you? You say so. Jesus replies, you say I'm a king. For this I was born, Jesus says. For this I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth hears my voice. Being followers of Jesus is about recognizing that our lives belong to no one. They don't belong to us. They don't belong to our fears, our addictions, or our anxieties. They don't belong to the important people who call the shots. Not our spouses, not our friends, not our bosses. They don't belong to any of the authorities in our world. Not Pilate, not money, not the government, nor any other power of this world. According to our passage, being a follower of Jesus means that we realize our lives belong to the truth. The core. The burning center of all things. Our lives belong to no one but the living God. And Jesus says that everyone who realizes that they belong to the truth hears his voice. When so many other voices compete for our allegiance, our time, our energy, our work is discerning Jesus' voice. The voice of the true king in the midst of the chaos and the competing kings of our lives and this world. And when we're able to do that, it changes everything. For example, the great Methodist preacher Tex Sample, don't ask me if somebody asked, does that stand for Texas? I don't know. Tex Sample tells the story of a friend who is visiting his father. And I'll give a language warning. This is church. 
I'm just quoting somebody, so I'll give a language warning. This friend was from the same place in the southern U.S., like he was, like Georgia. And this friend probably would have classified his father as a good old boy. His father was racist against every piece of civil rights legislation for African Americans. And one day they were both watching TV. And the face of Jesse Jackson, the famous civil rights leader, appeared on the screen. That SOB, the father barked out. Somebody ought to shoot him. And his friend's first inclination was to condemn his father, his dad, and to start a fight. But instead, he decided to appeal to his father's seemingly dormant Christianity. Well, Daddy, he said, if you really believe that, if you really believe that somebody ought to shoot Jesse Jackson... I think you ought to go to church and pray for somebody to shoot Jesse Jackson. His father thought for a moment, then turned to him. Boy, he said, you know good and well that Jesus ain't going to put up with that shit. For the most part, this guy paid attention to nothing but the voice of the world, telling him how to live, who to love, and how to be. But even so, he could hear the sound of the truth. The voice of Jesus when spoken. It's the same for us. For the most part, we pay attention to, buy into, and give our lives over to the competing voices of the world, but the voice of Jesus challenges all of our assumptions. It turns the world upside down. It breaks our habits. It creates new possibilities for love when they were once closed. When we stop and listen for the voice of Christ, it pulls our hearts up to heaven and roots them in his kingdom of peace. And this is why we call Jesus King, Prince, Lord, Messiah, and all those other titles. Because he's not a king at all. At least not the way we understand it. Where the world relies on antagonism, fear, oppression, and bloodshed, Jesus ain't going to put up with that shit at all. It may stand for now, but it shall fall before the universe-creating power of God's love. He's the countercultural king, one who brings with him a countercultural kingdom, one of acceptance, mercy, healing, forgiveness, and justice, the kingdom of truth that goes against the grain of all the world's lies. Christ is our Lord, our King, because we believe that in following him, in pledging allegiance to him, in listening to the sound of his voice among the rabble, these gifts become our own. 
This kingdom of healing love can touch down, heal our lives, and make us healing agents for others. And these gifts will transform our own hearts if we let them. So, brothers and sisters, the truth is that the world isn't how it ought to be. But it's not how it's got to be either. In Jesus, we've seen a whole new world, a whole new kingdom, a whole new reality, a whole new future break in. Christ comes to testify to the truth. And those who belong to the truth hear the sound of his voice. So, open your eyes to the beauty of this truth. Open your ears to the sound of his voice. And open your hearts to his coming. Long live the king of love. Long live Christ the King, now and forever. Amen.